You're listening to After All Things, WSHU's daily news and culture update from the Long Island Sound region. Connecticut Democrats look to expand paid sick leave. Offshore wind projects planned for Long Island's South Shore get federal approval. And has Connecticut's increased minimum wage created a living wage? Those stories and more are coming up. I'm Sabrina Garone. Connecticut's largest business association opposes a bill that would expand the state's paid sick leave law to cover all workers. The bill is part of the Democrats' legislative agenda this year. WSHU's Ebong Udama reports. At a public hearing of the Labor and Public Employee Committee, Ashley Zane of the Connecticut Business and Industry Association criticized expanding the law. She says it would disproportionately affect the smallest businesses, including women and minority-owned businesses and nonprofits. Essentially what this bill does is it treats the diner down the street that's small, family-owned, local, the same as multi-billion dollar corporations like Amazon and Walmart. Democratic Representative Ann Hughes, a committee member, defended the bill. She says the COVID-19 pandemic showed why an expanded paid sick leave mandate is needed. There is a new economy that has to create some essential paid time off. Otherwise, you're you're infecting your public, you're infecting your co-workers, and there is an economic cost to that as well as a real human toll. Current state law mandates only employers with 50 or more workers provide paid sick leave to their employees. Ebon Udama, WSH News. Nurses at Peconic Bay Medical Center and LIJ Valley Stream on Long Island have reached an agreement with Northwell Health to ratify contracts after the possibility of a strike on the table. WSHU's Sarah McGiff reports. Negotiations were down to the wire when most members voted in favor of ratification the night of the strike deadline. The New York State Nurses Association says the new contracts include at least 18% wage increases and outline safe staffing standards. It will also ensure that employees will get meals and breaks during their shifts. The agreement at Peconic Bay covers about 400 people and 300 at the Valley Stream location. The union says these new agreements will help make the facilities more competitive and retain staff. The conclusion of the two contracts closed out a total of five recent Northwell negotiations on Long Island since the beginning of 2023. Sarah McGiff, WSHU News. Governor Lamont wants the Connecticut General Assembly to pass a bill to help towns save money by sharing resources. Lamont outlined a plan yesterday to remove barriers in state law to make it easier for towns to buy resources and pay for services together. Matt Hart is executive director of the Capital Regional Council of Governments. He says the bill would benefit smaller towns with fewer employees. First of all, it allows us to capture an economy of scale. Right, to do things more efficiently and to save taxpayer dollars. The legislature's Planning and Development Committee is still reviewing the bill. Lamont says by saving towns money, this could also result in lower property taxes. Coming up, how Connecticut's new minimum wage is affecting workers, businesses, and families in the state. First, a message from our supporter.
Local support comes from Hartford HealthCare, the only health system in the Northeast, with all its hospitals receiving A grades for safety from the LeapFrog Group, the nation's leading independent safety watchdog group, hartfordhealthcare.org. Massachusetts' first offshore wind project, Vineyard Wind, hit a new milestone this week. After a lot of testing and a little bit of delay, the project's first five turbines are up and running. WBUR's Miriam Wasser has more. The five turbines are generating about 68 megawatts of clean energy. That's enough power for about 30,000 Massachusetts homes. Ken Kimmel is the chief development officer at Avangrid, one of the two companies behind the project. He says when all the turbines are up and running, they'll be able to power 400,000 homes. Every time we put another turbine online, every time it's spinning and generating clean energy, we're taking tangible steps to address climate change while creating new clean energy jobs. Vineyard Wind first started producing power last month and is expected to be fully commissioned later this year. For the New England News Collaborative, I'm Miriam Wasser. And speaking of offshore wind, the Empire Wind Project now has final federal approval. The plan is to build turbines starting 12 miles off Nassau County's south shore. Wind developer Equinor has rebid for the Empire Wind 1 project after canceling an awarded contract for Empire Wind 2. Governor Holkel has recently vetoed a bill that would have cleared a path for power cables through Long Beach. Connecticut State Auditors claim the Tweed New Haven Airport Authority has not completed a required compliance audit. It's meant to determine if the airport followed regulations concerning affirmative action, personnel practices, and more. The airport is slated for a controversial $165 million expansion plan, which the environmental group Save the Sound appealed in federal court. The parents of Suffolk County native Gabby Petito have reached a confidential settlement in a lawsuit against the family of Brian Laundry. Laundry killed 22-year-old Petito while the couple was on a cross-country road trip in 2021. The lawsuit claims her parents were subjected to intentional emotional distress. The minimum wage in Connecticut has gone up this year, and it's now $15.69 an hour. WSHU's Tom Cuser explores the impact of the state's gradual increases to the minimum wage. That's thanks to the state's first-ever economic indicator adjustments, which is linked to the Federal Employment Cost Index. This was part of the minimum wage legislation Governor Ned Lamont signed in 2019. It automatically adjusts with the rate of inflation. So now we'll have higher purchasing power, won't make less money in the future because of inflation, because it'll go up along with inflation. That's Joe Hawthorne, president of the Connecticut AFL-CIO. He says this index is not only good for workers, but also for businesses. Hear me out. It it gives predictability (laughs) for businesses that there won't be a spike to catch up when it's politically feasible, that they can plan for it because they'll know each year what the rate is going to be as it goes up. Christy Bentima has a different perspective. He's the president and CEO of the Connecticut Business and Industry Association. He says the adjustments for inflation to the minimum wage could eventually drive businesses out of the state. Now we're going to be tied to 
an index that will most likely go up and up and up every January 1st. And at what point in time, you know, does that increase cross the line of where the market is or where the market's willing to be on a min wage? When you eventually cross that line, because either we're in a softer market, there's more employees available to hire. That's when you start to see a state like Connecticut become less competitive. We're in a time where the minimum wage from the government has been less of a, of a driver, less of an issue. And it's really what the market's driving and the market's driving higher minimum wages than the min wage level that the government set. And that's why it's always important to really let the market control that. But will the increase to the minimum wage create a living wage for workers in Connecticut? Lisa Tepper Bates is the president of the United Way in Connecticut, which issues the annual ALICE, A-L-I-C-E, report. It stands for Asset Limited Income Constrained Employed. ALICE measures the number of individuals and families who work but don't earn enough to meet their basic needs. Bates says the increases to the minimum wage still fall far short of a living wage. In the most recent report, which is based on 2021 data, what we found is, unfortunately, the number of Alice households has grown. And it's now 39% of the state. That's 54,000 more than in 2019. And this is based on what we call a survival budget. So what a family or a single person needs to make just to pay the cost of necessities. And what we found is that for a single person, they needed to make $16.56 an hour, at least in 2021, just to make ends meet. For a family of two parents and two small children, uh, they needed to make $26.66 each an hour in order just to make ends meet and before taxes. Um, and for context, in 2021, 60% of the top 20 most common jobs in Connecticut paid less than $20 an hour. You can hear more about the new minimum wage and how it affects workers, businesses, and the personal economies of working families in Connecticut on the Full Story podcast. You'll find that on our website at WSHU.org. For the latest news from Long Island and Connecticut, you can listen on the radio or stream anytime with the WSHU app or on our website, WSHU.org. After All Things is supported by Hartford Healthcare. And as always, if you have any thoughts or story ideas you'd like to share with us, please feel free to reach out. The best way to do that is by email, and it's news at WSHU.org. I'm Sabrina Garone. Have a great rest of your evening and a wonderful weekend. I'll talk to you on Monday.